Welcome to Amplify, the Revolution Her podcast, dedicated to uplifting, empowering, and amplifying women's voices globally. Our community is a fierce collective of women who are ready to live the lives they always dreamed they would. Together, our strength as a collective of inspiring and ambitious women is truly unstoppable. I'm Maria Locker, founder and CEO of Revolution Her. And I'm your co-host, Grace Moores, founding partner of Revolution Her. And today we're talking about metamorphosing, reimagining your future self with Natanya Walktal. Natanya is the co-founder of Evermore.io, an empathy AI-powered platform that serves as an interactive game theory-powered mental wellness guide. Evermore has been featured in Netflix's The Social Dilemma and will also be in the series follow-up The Changemakers and has been named Best Responsible Technology from the Anthem Awards, as well as being part of Melinda Gates' Headstream Accelerator and earning Health 2.0's Best Company and Outstanding Leadership Awards. Natanya is the founder of New Solutions Network, which includes a group of strategic consultancy practices that helps life sciences companies design more strategic and customer-centric solutions, leveraging the intersection of technology and behavioral science. A champion for uh, patient advocacy, education, and health benefits for those with chronic diseases and within marginalized communities, Natanya's volunteer efforts include being one of the founding board members of Women Who Create, a mentorship and scholarship program for women of color that partners biopharmaceutical companies to increase access to to college education. Please help us welcome Natanya Wachtel. Hi, thank you so much for having me today. Oh my goodness. We are so excited to have you and wow, like the breadth of knowledge that you carry with you. We are just so thrilled to be able to share that with our listeners today. And we're going to jump right in Natanya, because we have so much to talk about this idea of metamorphosis and change. So metamorphosis is defined as a change of the form or nature of a thing or person into a completely different one by natural or supernatural means. I love that. Now your journey has been an incredible one. And we're going to talk about all kinds of changes that have come into your life. Do you want to start with some of the experiences that you've had and how they've led you to where you are today? Sure. Um, And to frame it, maybe I'll say uh, there's a Harvard psychologist, uh, Dr. Daniel Gilbert, and he talks about this bias that honestly, most of us have certainly in adulthood that you know, we tend to think that the person we are today is the person we will always be from here forward, right? So if you're asked if you're the same person that you were 10 years ago, especially anyone over 36, which is when your brain starts to really solidify in its patterns, right? Most people will say no, but we have a really hard time seeing or imagining our potential for change, transformation, metamorphosis, however you want to call it in the future, right? So listen, despite that past self that is clearly different than our present self, we think of who we are right now as, you know, real and finished versions. And I was definitely one of those people. So I um, had a journey that went through several different kinds of disciplines over the years from 
you know, the clinical side and therapeutic practice from the pharmaceutical side, working in-house at pharmaceutical companies, and then as a partner, which I still do, although I've shifted my work to smaller emerging technology-based startup companies. Um, And that was a big risk. And that was a change for me because I'm a cautious person and a planning (laughs) person. And, you know, I went from secure contracts that went from January to December to three-month contracts on a maybe if they get funded type of situation. I also, you know, so I left a lot of financial security and I left a lot of intellectual foothold in terms of feeling like I knew a lot. I mean, I, I, I also came to love and always have come to love, excuse me, learning new things and from new people. So that's another thing that really was afforded and some of the big parts of the change. And then also putting into practice some of the things that, well, quite frankly, I'm not super proud to admit, but in the spirit of authenticity and transparency, I wasn't necessarily adhering to much of the advice that I had been giving for years in terms of behavior change and, you know, the ability to really pivot in your decisions, your your thoughts, your actions, which ultimately, you know, builds to become your personality. Now, I, so thank you for sharing that because as someone who teaches about behavior change to admit that you weren't necessarily practicing that same talk for yourself, how does that feel to share that out loud that you know, that, that's, that's quite a lot to share. Um, if I'm being honest, uh, you know, as we mentioned right before record, I typically feel pretty comfortable these days doing podcasts, but I was feeling a little bit hot (laughs) (laughs) in in the neck. Um, because I, I said to you that I'm going to talk about some personal things that I've never talked about before in a public way, but I thought it made it more real and maybe make a deeper connection for someone who on the surface might think, oh, you have everything or you look a certain way. That must mean you're this kind of health or you can eat these kinds of things or things have been easy for you. And I'm not here to complain. I'm just here to deconstruct some of that myth of what we see on the outside of folks and also what can be the you that you are today versus the you that you are tomorrow. So let's talk about that you that you are today, because, you know, I know our listeners are hearing your lovely voice, but we have the um, privilege to actually see you face to face here as we're recording. And, you know, the you that you are today, you've shared with us is very different from the you that you've been in the past. What is one of those changes that has really been instrumental in shaping who you are today? Yeah. So the three simple strategies that I employed, you know, I'll talk about in a minute, but they're kind of multidimensional. So the change for me is some fundamental changes in my, I guess, comfort approach to my comfort zone barriers. Um, Mm -hmm. And that may be, you know, in terms of being public, like doing this podcast, um, putting my picture all over Facebook, letting my picture be taken at events. I often like to be behind the scenes. I, I did. I felt very uncomfortable. I still feel uncomfortable, but I just make myself do it now. <laughs> um, you know, on LinkedIn, if you scroll back a couple of years, you'll see I'm, you know, the same person with the same thoughts and same experiences uh, generally, but I did not post much about that. I pretty much only served to share intellectual articles that piqued my interest. Mm. Um so I broadened, you know, how I represent myself, where I show up, how I show up and how comfortable I am, or at least with the idea of being sort of in the front rather than the nerd behind the curtain that's writing, which was the zone that I felt safe in. 
Because you and I have chatted. I mean, so just a little sidebar, Natani and I actually met at a conference in Las Vegas when I was attending to support my sister and she was attending to support a colleague. Um, and we just hit it off. And and I remember you saying to me, you know, this isn't normally how I do things. Like I I don't normally love to be in the limelight. And, you know, this is this is a change for me. Um and when you and I discussed, you know, being able to come on here and sharing some of the journey that you've had, you know, I'm, I'm thrilled that you're able to share that with our listeners in terms of the changes that have come into your life. And, you know, you are very scholarly and you work in these really smart circles of scientists and, you know, brain powers. Um, and yet you have a story all your own that, that you're willing to share with us. So we're really appreciative of that. Oh, you're too kind. Sorry, I was going to add, you know, the other area that might seem superficial because there is a visual aesthetic component, perhaps for some people is my outward appearance, which people who have known me throughout my journey have seen the transformation. And that's something also I haven't really spoken about um, with those who don't know me. And for me, it's not what I appear in terms of who thinks it's nice or doesn't think it's nice. But for me, it was um, a reflection of my health. And for me, my my health being in the industry, um, I had so much layered shame and misdiagnoses and things that I had accepted were just sort of, well, I guess this is how it is now because I went to clinicians for help and I was told there was, you know, this or that wasn't wrong or, you know, it was relatively simple. Some simple medical um, interventions came into play with the right specialist when I kind of had a breaking point of um, feeling so ill, I couldn't cross the room. And I said, this isn't me. I was an athlete. Something is wrong here. Mm -hmm. And, um, you know, kind of escalated and up my own voice and my sense of urgency for care. Um, And, you know, I offer advice for patient advocacy all the time. And here I wasn't being an advocate for myself. And so, you know, I don't know why that is. I don't know if that's a a female um, identifying as female thing. I don't know if it's a parent thing, but, you know, everyone else, I had the greatest intentions for, but for myself, I was last and I perhaps wasn't worthy of fighting for what was the best me. And so when I kind of had that realization and let go of the guilt and the shame over what had happened to my, my health, my body, my, my, my energy, my ability to function in society with my family, to be in celebrations, that kind Mm -hmm. of thing, it was just transformative. And I realized and recognized right away because it was a slow process that that sort of high, if you will, that natural high from affecting positive change, I really finally felt it and got it. And I was like, oh, I want everyone to feel this and believe that that can happen. And it's it can be slow and incremental, but I became kind of evangelical now about this is worth it. It's worth kind of reexamining what in your life you might want to be different or do mm-hmm. differently and that it's possible. And there's two parts of that change, right? So in terms of the change that you've experienced in a physical way, like you've mentioned, you know, your physical appearance changed, you you've gained more confidence maybe in, you know, being in certain settings, but you've you've also shared with us off the books um, you know, that that takes a while for you to mentally catch up too, right? That confidence doesn't just happen overnight. What's that been like for you? Um, it's It's been surreal. I I'm still feel awkward and I think that's okay. In fact, I saw an episode of like 
um, I think it was like comedians in cars, <laughs> but it was with Eddie Murphy, an actor mm-hmm. that I really admire and just, I thought exudes confidence and cool and just natural performer. And he admitted that he still gets nervous before appearances and how sweating and stressed he was before his famous stand-up appearances. And I was like, oh my gosh, Eddie Murphy too? And then it made <laughs> me feel like, well, I guess it's okay. So just because you have that feeling, it doesn't determine how you react or what you can do. And it's kind of embarrassing to admit that some of that was my life bulb moment. But well, it was. I, I, I think it's such a it's a, such a common feeling. I think a lot of us don't think that anybody else feels that way, and we all have that self doubt or that lack of confidence at times. Mm-hmm. And so we're not alone in 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 feeling that way for sure. But change can also um, it also affects the people around us too. So change can you know, when you're going through that change, um, it has an impact on on others too. So how has change had a positive, been a positive catalyst in uh, for others in your life? That's a great question. So I will start with, you know, when you assume this like label about yourself, honestly, mostly subconsciously, right? In the back of your mind, that, that running voice in your mind, you stop seeing the alternatives, right? If mm-hmm. something is presented and accepted as, the truth of like, this is who I am, which is what most people say, right? Alternative ways of thinking don't even come up for consideration. So then being somebody else, somebody who's empowered to help others truly isn't even in your consideration set at that time, right? It doesn't seem possible. I couldn't possibly have time to do X. I couldn't possibly be good at Y to help these people or do this with this group or shift in terms of where I work or how I work or who I live with or, you know, whatever those things may be for any one person. So, you know, for me personally, the change allowed me to get a sense of, and sorry for this word being so overused, but, you know, a possibility development and resilience around things that happen around me Mm -hmm. rather than to me such that I can't control them. So the world and chaos and bad things and stressful things still are happening constantly. But what I was able to change was my reaction to them and what I actions I took subsequently. Right. So like something happened, you know, you lose a contract, you, you don't get this job, you, what have you, I could accept that those things happen. They may be completely independently of my control. I cannot take into, well, I suck. I'm terrible. They didn't like me. It was, you know, sometimes it's literally like a spreadsheet number moving on something that has nothing to do with you. And I was told that. And I was like, they must be just saying things to be nice, but they don't really mean that. Right. So when I got kind of took the personal wound out of things that happened or the um, woe is me or why is this happening and trying to rationalize something and focused on what can I do about it? Can I do nothing? Can I do something else that will make me feel good? Can I spend my time where it will be valued? And that's what I've done. And then I found organizations and people that I could do that with in a a constructive way. And some of that um, is in the nonprofit world with women who create and inspiring my generation. Both organizations seek to help many, many people. Women who create is, as you said, a mentor and scholarship program for women of color or those who identify um, and trans folks of color. So it's really focused on leveraging the resources and connections that I have and my colleagues have to bring, you know, advice and resources in terms of funding to folks who 
otherwise wouldn't have it. Right. Mm-hmm. So it's an allyship effort. And I felt better about me. So I felt like I could more authentically do that. Um, I also did that with what I consider my job. Although, again, as you know, from startup world, it's it's risky and scary and it's not all set yet. But it yeah. let me connect with a former colleague who created Evermore. And it just spoke to me on so many levels. And I decided that the passion has to be the leader, not the security. And that was fundamentally a shift. Um, But it has allowed me to work with many, many, many young people and be a mentor to them and learn from them and feel like I'm helping, you know, change the world a little bit for the better. That's amazing. That's awesome. And I love the way that you advocate for so many so many different groups as well, and um, and being that instigator of change yeah. um, is 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 really inspiring. Mm-hmm. Now, as well, one of the things that also comes up when we talk about how change impacts others is the fact that there is that negativity towards it. There are going to be some people that maybe don't like the change that they're seeing that you're creating or that you're doing, whether it's personal or professional. How do you deal with that? Well. That's I'll address that in two parts, because I think one of the things that we didn't talk about was how long it takes and that, you know, there's a lot of research around shaping your future self into, you know, changing yourself, shaping this future ideal you. It's it's a deliberate practice and it's, you know, a series of multiple small goals as well as the big goal. So it's not have your vision board, stick your stickers on it or whatever and go, (laughs) you know, it's really important So along the journey, how you surround yourself with supporters versus detractors, I think is as much as an important thing to recognize as those who may detract from you and the you they are today. Does that make sense? Yeah, Mm -hmm. absolutely. So, you know, you can't really effectively grow without a direction to that growth and you need those goals for that. And along the journey, you know, I know for myself, I did not do this on my own. I did not do this on my own. And yet... I have a background in mental wellness. (laughs) I have a background in behavior change. I still went to experts for motivation and tips and grounding and ways to check in and be authentic. I spoke to a small number of trusted friends and family about what I was struggling with. And it was incredible. It was incredible to be that vulnerable. That was another change for me and challenge was to be vulnerable, to admit that I didn't feel well, that I had, you know, regrets and shame that I felt overwhelmed with the changes I needed to make that I felt scared of my future and what it, what it would be. And so from the very early days, I evolved slightly, you know, somewhat, and I'm mm-hmm. still working on myself um, in many areas, including, you know, my husband will tell you patience and a few other ones, right? But <laughs> we're all working on different areas. I, I essentially almost, um, you know, when you're a child and you get to draw the like about me, Mm -hmm. for school. And you have all these dimensions of who you are. And my kids have, you know, like, um, all kinds of things in that describe their brain, right? So I kind of almost, and I and as someone's, you know, a little bit educated in neuroscience, I say this with a, you know, a little bit of a, there's a joke in here, it's not not realistic, but I kind of attack each quadrant. And I say quadrant more of like a drawing of the brain, and all those areas at the time, because the other thing is, these changes not only don't happen overnight, they may or may not be universal and complete, right? So you might have to just say, I can't change everything. Let Mm -hmm. me focus on one or two things that I can. And so along that way, if you can get supporters and or lessen the detractors or or, or dampen the noise and the mental space you give to the detractors, that will set you up 
for that resilience in the current you know, environment for when someone perhaps isn't supportive or questions you and that kind of thing. So for me, it's sort of like a, a stepwise process before I get to the end. And a lot of that is only possible from looking to support. And so you've brought up so many good points and, and that was a great question, Grace, because you it actually leads perfectly into our next one, which is more around that mental strength that you need to have, not only to get through this transition, um, like you've discussed, right. The different ways that you need to have mental fortitude to, to say, you know, I'm not going to listen to the people that aren't believing in me, or I'm going to just the distractors. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, I'm I'm going to be using that the distractors, you know, the the things like trolls on social comments, you know, I live, my social media use is mostly professional mm-hmm. and I don't put too much personal. I have put for the first time a few photos and things like that and some personal things as they relate to my mission and what I'm trying to accomplish within industry. But, mm-hmm. um, you know, I don't put myself out. I am also careful not to put myself out there too much for those kinds of places, especially yeah. like in Instagram and what have you, where people critique your um, eyelashes and your nose hairs and your hairstyle and whatever that everyone has to say everything about what you do or what mm-hmm. you said, um, your lexicon, everything. So, I, so I do kind of am mindful about how much I share and where I share it. And that's a part of it. And mm-hmm. I'm not looking to share it because I want some kind of validation. So it's yeah. also your motivations for what you're doing. If they're for yourself, then it doesn't really matter what anyone else says. Mm-hmm. It's for you. How do yeah. you feel about yeah. it? And that's step one. And you're able to be mature enough to say to yourself, I'm not going to put myself out there if, you know, I love that you've had that maturity to say, you know, I'm going to guard myself in the ways that feels right to me. Right. Yeah. I mean, Um, it took me long enough. I I wish I was as self-actualized as I'm starting to be now, you know, in my twenties and I work with some of these young people, you know, Gen Z and younger millennials, and they inspire me. I'm not saying this just for lip service. They literally inspire me almost every day of my life with their inner strength, with their wanting to recognize and understand their place in the world and how they can be a part of a bright, you know, the future in a positive way. It's incredible. And I'm so moved by that. And sometimes I think, well, maybe my time is up. I'm old. And then I have to remind (laughs) myself that, well, I'm still here. So this counts. And, you know, back to the like, catalyst part, you know, that future casting, that future self, only you can answer that question. It's only when you define it for yourself, can you go towards it? And so that's it. That first step is imagining that future self for yourself. What does that look like? And then break it down into those quadrants around whether they have to be, I mean, one of my areas was sleep. I used to pride myself on not getting any sleep, almost like it was some kind of honor badge. Mm. Now I'm like, no, this is bad. If I really don't prioritize sleep for too many days, I I force myself to reset and literally set alarms on devices and things like that to get myself to go to bed. Mm -hmm. Because I know from a biology standpoint, I need that sleep. So there are little things, you know, that other people might not even know about that help you, you know, be the best you. And those are for yourself. Mm hmm. Oh my goodness. You've shared so much good stuff. So yeah, there's a lot of great stuff. (laughs) I want to ask just in terms of other tools that you've used to support your mental well-being and that fortitude, because you mentioned, you've just mentioned, you know, setting alarms for yourself to make sure you go to bed on time. What are some of the other ways that, you know, you've implemented tools 
to help you continue to stay true to that transformation that you worked so hard for? Yeah. Well, one of the main, you know, ways that's been super documented, right? Uh, So I can source it later if we need to for folks, but I don't think anyone's going to be really shocked when I say journaling. (laughs) Mm, So um, it can be journaling in the form of old school pen and paper. It can be journaling in the form of dictation. In fact, that's part of what attracted me to the Evermore app. And again, and this is not um, a sales pitch. I'm just saying it is a voice journal. And I felt like it was a really great way for me to express myself quickly and privately in the moment. And so for paper journaling or any kind or voice memos or whatever tools work best for you, when you capture your stream of consciousness thoughts about any topic, whether they be a happy thing or a sad thing or a challenging thing or a nervous thing or whatever they may be, they kind of get you to reflect and crystallize within yourself. What is my position on this? Do I really want to hold these beliefs? Do I need to shift them? And what do I need to get there? So it's kind of like if you think about anything in a, in a career setting or even in a parenting setting, if, if you don't work outside the home and something is quote unquote wrong or broken, first you have to recognize what is it about it that's not working? And then what is it that you can do, right? And some of that for me was also changing your identity narrative, right? You ask yourself, like, what are the top one to three things I could do today to make some progress to this future self that I would maybe love a little more, be a little gentler with, respect a little more, be proud of, right? So any kind of those actions out of your comfort zone that I talked about before, Mm. those are the big ones because your comfort zone is a lot largely determined by that, by your current personality and your mindset. So you start to look at those boundaries that you've set for yourself. I can't go and give a keynote and get my picture taken for a magazine because I, I don't do that. I'm awkward. I don't know how to pose. I, I look funny. I, I My eyes are two different sizes. Those are my issues. I don't like Oh, we've just been I'm having like, that conversation earlier on today. Hair and makeup or whatever yeah. those things are to be like, well, I'm here and they want to take my picture. So just smile and deal with it. And whatever it is, it is. It's not like you're a ghost. You know, you're going to exist. Who cares? And like whatever it is that you have to tell yourself to kind of push through. And maybe it's not going from, you know, zero to 60 on day one. Maybe it's a small thing like being in a family photograph instead of always offering to take the photograph. Right. right? So, so they, they, and that's private, not for social media, not for the world. Start with something small that isn't what you typically would do. So that's kind of another thing. And then the other area I was going to say tools for me, I, I'm, well, not a shock. I'm a nerd and I like to read. So I do a lot of reading and you could do audiobooks too, or not books at all or workbooks. Um, and I look to, um, sort of three core authors. I, I don't know if I need to name them or whatever, but I, I did look to, to some authors that quite frankly, someone gave me a book and said, I think this will help you. And I said, thank you. And I put it on the side of a table. And then someone gave me another book that I respect (laughs) and admire and who had, you know, done some transformative work themselves. And I said, thank you. And I put it on a book. I mean, I put it on a table and I said, "I'll, I'll get to that later. And for me, you know, COVID was one of the times and, and right before that, when sort of my health journey culminated in an emergency room visit, um, where, when I, started to feel a little bit better physically, I just decided to maybe crack open the spine on some of those books and they're household names, some of them and some are not. And I just found myself so inspired and doing something that I rarely do because I think it's um, 
blasphemy is I actually wrote in the book, which I never usually do. All my books <laughs> look like they have not been touched and all my things are in the packaging because that's another topic for another podcast. <laughs> so I wrote in the book and then I actually then thought about the things that were connecting with me and then reflected on them for myself. Like, how could I bring a connection to myself about this? And what could I do to make use of this new way of being? Right. And so that's that journaling or the self-reflection time and something about seeing it in writing or hearing yourself, however you choose to record kind of makes it real. And then it makes you accountable and then ideally motivated to kind of keep going, right? Yeah. So so those things um, really helped. And then the other thing is I think other people, and those people can be people you know, like your family, if you have one, your friends, they could be professionals in terms of, you know, coaches, executive coaches, life coaches, they could be professionals, psychologists, psychiatrists, whatever, mm -hmm. they could be support groups, they could be online forums, it really, and I say this with complete respect to the professional clinical industry. But what I mean is to get support, it doesn't have to be like, structured and clinical in nature, it can just be cheerleading that is yeah. pure. Yeah. yeah. Okay, I do need to know what those books were. I know <laughs> that was going to be my question too. You need <laughs> well, to I'll, just, I'll tell you books. the three authors. Well, the so, top ones. The first one, no shock to anyone, is Deepak Chopra. Mm -hmm. And the second one is Dr. Well, he's a doctor too. Dr. Joe Dispenza. Um, and the book specifically was You Are the Placebo. And then the third one is actually not about what you may think, but for me, it was a transformative on the health side. And it's about mushrooms. And not necessarily um, psilocybin, psychedelic mushrooms. This is more about like everyday forest mushrooms with healing properties mm -hmm. um, for immune suppression, that kind of thing. And his name is Paul Stamets. And he also has a program, Fantastic Fungi, that now I've told you and probably will mention again because everyone <laughs> I know is told about this. And my children are like, again, the mushroom show, mom. <laughs> I loved it. It's a great documentary. It's on Netflix. Oh, you like it, right? Yeah. So, so yeah. Paul Stamets. So they're kind of the, that holy trinity. So the, the, the You Are the Placebo um, from Dr. Dispenza was incredible because I work in healthcare. And obviously, I know about placebos on the surface, right? A mm -hmm. long time. But I started to really deconstruct the role of the mind and health and how can a placebo work in oncology in yeah. surgery? Like, wow. how is that possible? Like, so when I really deconstructed that on, with his understanding, and then like, I kind of kept going into my own sources, it made me feel powerful. It made me feel in control of my future. And not that I'm not going to pass because unfortunately, you know, that's still going to happen. But for the me that I am today and tomorrow, maybe I could make some choices and maybe I could tell myself I deserve and want to be as healthy as I can be and yeah. just try it. It doesn't hurt. So that, that was a lot. And then obviously Deepak, I don't have to talk about too much to just say incredible inspiration on so many levels, especially mm -hmm. on, for me, a bit of the understanding that stillness and meditation, I used to think I couldn't meditate because I'm clearly... Um, high energy person <laughs> and had tried and would be almost vibrating as I sat, right? <laughs> it's not working. It's not working. I'm not meditating yet. It's not working. The thoughts are still here. And I was fighting sort of the natural way my brain worked instead mm -hmm. of accepting that my brain is going to be firing a lot and focusing on less about what those thoughts were, accepting them and letting them kind of pass and watch, wash over me. Yeah. And then, you know, because a lot of what he talked about for me was these end benefits of meditative and other kinds of wellness. And I was already actually doing yoga, um, even as, as a larger person, right? And, and the 
correlation between that and overall health. So I wanted to connect better. And just like everything else for me, meditation took time. It took me weeks and months of doing it several times a day. And because I was trapped at home in COVID, I got, well, basically better at it. And I finally hit that moment where I realized that I had lost sense of my body in mm. the meditative state. And then I thought, oh, and it was only a, a little brief moment, but I was like, oh, that's what they're talking about. <laughs> okay. I, it is possible for spazzy people, you know, kind of thing. I had to like deconstruct that idea of who I was and what those um, modalities could be. And they can be for anyone. Yeah. That's so cool. Thank yes. you for sharing that. Yeah. Wow. That's a lot. There's so many great takeaways in there. I'm We'll definitely be checking out those books as well. So thank you for sharing that. So what is next? Like this is like you feel like you've done so much incredible stuff already. So what what could be next for you? <laughs> well, I mean, a lot of that is unscripted, right? And I'm trying to be excited about that for someone who's a planner, <laughs> which is 50% of it, right? Um, this week actually just announced something for me that I'm really excited about is a partnership with a company called Better Meal AI. And it's a gut health, you know, personalized medicine platform. And it's transformative. And it really spoke to me on person on a personal and professional level, right? What they're trying to do and accomplish. It's cool. It's AI. It's tech. It's Betterman. It's healing the world. But I feel like I could authentically like dream come true because, you know, when they say, oh, you really like toys, would you like to work in the toy industry? I mean, I was working with mostly big pharma and now I'm working in health, you know, health and wellness, sort of on the outskirts of pharma, if you will. And I didn't think I didn't really know anyone in the industries. I didn't have a way in. And just in the short amount of the last two years, making being open stating mm -hmm. what I'd like to do, stating my intention, making connections, doing research, getting educated in the areas that I'm truly passionate about has led me to become a valuable partner for these kinds of organizations. And it feels like it hits all the right notes, if that makes sense. Yeah, that's so cool. So bettermeal.ai? Yeah, bettermeal.ai. Okay, we'll check and that out for sure. Sure. And, and you know, uh, I don't want to tip my hand here because nothing is formal, but I will say of those three people I mentioned, one of those three um, I may be working with soon. And again, that's kind of a thing like I might be working with one of my heroes. In my head, <laughs> I thought, you know, oh, imagine if I could meet them someday. Two years ago, I would have thought, but that's crazy. They're all like super famous and I'm nobody and who cares? And now I may be on a conference call with one of them in a week or two and hopefully in helping impact change with them alongside them. And that I can't, I can't tell you what that feels like. It's, it's incredible. And it makes yeah. me believe that then I can meet the other two also. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. I think that's, that's it, isn't it? It's, it keep, it's stretching that comfort zone of where we feel we belong or what we can achieve is just pushing those boundaries and, and then, you know, exceeding them. It's, it's like, as you say, those small steps, those small goals um, that you take just to keep pushing those boundaries further mm -hmm. and further. Yeah. And you can knowingly more. kind of trick yourself. And yeah. that was one of the great things in you are the placebo. I mean, because they had all these clinical studies around yeah. people who were sort of told, like, tell yourself this. And it still worked. Like they had some octogenarian 80 something year old men. Um, they instructed them for two weeks to kind of imagine that they were in their 20s and try not to look in the mirror too much and trying to like really 
just believe as much as you could from the moment you went wake up. And they, of course, in the beginning of the study, they took blood pressure and all these resting heart rates and all these biological you know, markers. And in two weeks time, there was statistically significant improvement in those bi- those markers, right? Yeah. So blood pressure went down from just knowingly telling yourself a lie. Yeah, right. <laughs> I but saying I- I'm going to act as if this were true. Yeah. yeah. And so obviously we can do that. And we see that in mental health where that can go into a dangerous place, of course, as well. So I do need to caution, you know, that there yeah. are some restrictions here. But oh that's gosh. so exciting just to, yeah. just to have that concept. I'm, I'm definitely checking that out because it is, it's, it's almost like the best form of a positive affirmation, right? And we've yeah. talked about affirmations and how they can transform, you know, your thoughts and your mindset. So such exciting stuff. There's actually a great way to hack your OS. So we, yeah. we, we are, and I hope this is not sacrilegious, but I, I think of us as sort of computers with a flesh casing. So we, <laughs> sounds like really that. horrible. But what I mean is the same way your computer has an automatic processing, we have an automatic processing and that gets formed as you grow and as you age. And 24 is a big set time for your brain in terms of how much it's locked into that automatic set processing. And then 36 is sort of another place and there, there's more. And so the old, so that's why change is harder the older you are, right? So your, mm-hmm. your default is harder to set. Some of mm-hmm. the things that happen with, you know, serenity now, serenity now, George Costanza, right? Right. Um, some of those phrases actually help your brain latch onto what it should focus on and what it should put into its automatic processing. So affirmations are actually much more powerful, powerful. I mean, they can be spiritual, they can be other, a lot of benefits, but they actually can truly help your neurons reprogram your automatic processing. So I'm a big fan of those as well. Okay, we're gonna have to bring you back. I know. I feel like, oh my gosh, we've Sorry. got so much to talk about, and so yeah, much we, we could keep going on. Yep, for sure. I love it because you know what? These are all things that, as women in particular, sometimes we need to have that encouragement that yeah, there are ways to make change in your life, and that positive change is possible. So, yeah. thank you so much for sharing so much insight. We actually somehow are at our time, but we have to close out with some rapid fire questions before yeah, okay. we can let you go. <laughs> <laughs> so we'll just give you a couple of these and then uh, we'll be on our way. Thank you so much, Natanya. All right. I'm going to start with the first one and see now I'm nervous. No, totally. <laughs> this is the fun part. This is totally fun. All right. So we're going to start with a really, really easy one. And that is what would your theme song be? We say they're easy, but they're they're not. <laughs> I have. I was trying to think of one that doesn't have expletives in it, so that oh, it that's okay. It that doesn't matter. <laughs> you go with whatever. What struck you the first thing when I said that? There's a song called "Like a Boss," but it it's uh, a bit, um, you know, has some words in it. That's, that's okay. So, that's that's good. Okay, a guilty pleasure. Chocolate for sure. Yeah. Oh, that's sorry. Did I, I thought it was that anyone's about food. Just hit me. I'm good. <laughs> that's good. <laughs> um, all right. Where is your favorite place in the world to be? Um, this is a little corny. So I've been very fortunate to have lived and traveled much of the globe. And yet I have very simple needs. Any place where there is still and vast 
water and forests nearby, like nature that's untouched and, you know, pretty alone with, you know, some loved ones. They could be, you know, children, spouse, friends, what have you, just like a very low key quiet with a beautiful scenery. Oh, that sounds perfect. It does sound perfect. (laughs) Okay. Last one. Uh, Favorite season. Mm, That's tough. Really? Yeah. I like all the seasons because (laughs) that's right. I mean, I live in the Northeast now and I like the change. I feel like you don't get too comfortable with any one thing and you appreciate all the differences because it's not always hot. It's not always cold. It's not always raining. It's not always Mm -hmm. sunny. So for me, I kind of like the change of seasons, you know, yeah. the equinoxes, if you will. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, is that okay to answer? Not bad. That is, absolutely. <laughs> yeah. We're talking about metamorphosis and change. That's like yeah. the perfect answer. <laughs> yeah. <sighs> uh, Natanya, thank you so much for sharing so many insights and being vulnerable and authentic with our audience today. I know that we talked about some things that were new for you to share publicly, but um, we really appreciate it. And it's a safe space. We'd love to have you back on to share more as time goes on. And you're just wonderful. You're just a, like, Oh a no, thank light. you. <laughs> I need to say, even though this sounds like a big love fest here in, in all sincerity, the reason I was considering and willing to share these things is because of what you Maria and you grace have done with your brand and your mission. And I feel like you know, it's really incredible and it's really important to help all of us feel a little less alone, a little more empowered, a little more kinder to ourselves, you know, on a daily basis to see ourselves in the best version of ourselves as a possibility. And so I thought if I was authentic about the fact that it might seem on the surface that I have it all together or that I've always been, you know, so comfortable in these big media situations or getting my picture taken (laughs) or that I'm really trim and I can eat whatever I want and don't think about it. I just wanted to kind of deconstruct that myth to strangers because it's important to see, like you, you never really know um, where someone is and where they're going. And that's also true about your own self. Yeah. Oh my gosh. The perfect way to close out. Thank you. (laughs) Well then until we get to see you again, um, because we will, we'd love to have you back on. Thank you so much. And we're just sending big happy vibes your way. And to all our listeners, you know, we hope you were able to take away some positive content from today, some inspiration. And as always, you know, what with what we do at Revolution Her, if you can think of three other women that this episode would inspire, please go and share, continue to help us spread power and empowerment with other women around the world. Um, and don't forget to hit that review button, subscribe. We've got more stories coming your way. And uh, we're just so thankful for all of you. All right. We'll see you again soon. And thanks for joining us today. Bye, everybody. Bye. Bye-bye.